1: Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.
3: This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. This is the Look Ahead here on V the Sports Betting Network. You can always follow me on Twitter at Scott's On Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Can I talk a little baseball? Can we got into a little baseball here. Let's talk a little baseball here. Uh, we got some moves being made. The Braves uh trading uh for Matt Olson, meaning Freddie Freeman gonna be gone from Atlanta, which we all knew was gonna happen. No surprise there. We'll see where Freddie Freeman ends up. Maybe he signs with the Dodgers. Could sign with the Yankees. Uh, Speaking of the Yankees, they made some great moves. They trade away Gio Urshela, who was a fan favorite. And really, the Yankees did a great job getting a lot out of Gio Urshela. Gio was a guy who played in Cleveland, and they were just willing to part ways with him. They were like, this kid's got a great glove. He's never going to be able to hit. And the Yankees really turned him into a nice player. He became an everyday player for the Yankees at third base, filled in at shortstop, and then going into this season was actually going to be the full-time shortstop. But Brian Cashman went out there and brought in an elite shortstop. And and listen, don't make any mistakes. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is a gold-glove shortstop. So, the Yankees get Josh Donaldson and Isaiah kiner falefa from the uh, Twins in exchange for Gio Urshela and Gary Sanchez. So, you got a fan favorite leaving in Gio Urshela, and you got a guy who the fans like to rag on in Gary Sanchez, who uh, offensively had one really good year and then never really uh, performed as much as he could, and then defensively a complete liability behind the plate with the uh, pass balls and whatnot. And, and so Yankees get better in my opinion right now, they are the second favorite to win the world series behind the Dodgers. Dodgers are plus 600. Yankees are nine to one. And one team here is just interesting to me. And, and that's the Padres Padres are 14 to one, but I don't see how anybody can bet on the Padres with the Fernando Tatis news, Tatis is out now for at least three months with the fracture in his wrist. And when I say at least three months, is because the team AJ Preller is saying, and AJ Preller is there, you know, the, the president there of uh, baseball operations. He said that Tatis is expected back in three months, and then you know we'll get him back on the field. But a lot of You know, sports injury experts are saying three months is like the best case scenario, but it's going to be more than that. So if he's out for three months, let's say best case scenario, three months before he even starts baseball activities, then he ramps up his preparation for the season, going to take him probably another month. We're talking four months. It's already the middle of March, right? April, May, June, July. I don't think we're going to see Tatis until well after the All-Star break. And at that point, where are the char- Chargers? Hey, I'm thinking San Diego here, it's funny. Where are the where are the Padres? At the beginning of August, where are they? Maybe not in contention. Looking at that division, You got the Dodgers expected to be what the Dodgers are. The Giants had a really good season last year. Arizona's feisty. Colorado's feisty. You know, Padres, yeah, they might be the third best team in that division. Well, they should be the second best team, but without Tatis, they dropped down to the third best team in that division. At that point, it might be too far out. Granted, expanded playoff, whatever, but... I just, I don't see it happening. I think that 14 to one is a bad number for them when you consider the injury. So I'm looking forward to seeing, um, you know, a couple other things get done here. I thought the Mariners did very well bringing in Jesse Winker. Jesse Winker is a stud. He was a stud for the uh, Cincinnati Reds. And now the Mariners uh, pick him up and uh, Eugenio Suarez. So good additions. They get rid of Justin Dunn, was a guy that they actually acquired from the Mets in that uh just you know swindling deal for Robinson Cano. What it's so dumb. But uh Winker going to the um going to the Mariners definitely boosts up Seattle. Seattle, I think, is a team that you know, obviously we know is just begging to get into the postseason here. Mariners are five to one to win the American League West. Don't know if I would make. That bet. They are plus 155 on DraftKings to make the playoffs. Could be uh an intriguing bet there, plus money uh if if you want to take a look at that. But they'll be they'll be competitive in a lot of these games uh for at the start of the season. Curious to see what these teams look like in in spring training. Very excited for the start of Major League Baseball. Um I think the Angels are a team that certainly you can look out for with a healthy Mike Trout this season, the sky's the limit for them. They They are plus 425 to win the American League West. Astros are minus 155. And let me tell you something. I would really consider the Angels at that number. And I think if Carlos Correa doesn't, go back to the Astros. They take a big hit here. Now the latest reports say that Correa, uh, is considering returning back to the Astros. The contract talks are intensifying. Um, that's what was being reported, uh, at least by Twitter people. Uh, Scott Boris is his agent. You know, Boris is going to want the most from his clients. Um, Cubs were in the mix, but the Cubs signed uh, Andrelton Simmons. Um, Probably not going to mean that they're out of the running for Correa, but Simmons is a very good shortstop, so don't really need him. The Yankees just bring in Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, who is an elite defensive shortstop. Pretty good stick with the bat as well. Why invest the money in Correa when you got a guy in kiner falefa Plus, the Yankees have a stud in the minors that they're just waiting to groom and come up as well. So it seems like it's Correa going back to the Astros, but I'll still take the the plus money on the Angels because I think the Angels with with, uh, Shohei Ohtani and Noah Syndergaard at the top of that rotation, that's a really, really good one-two punch. And so plus 425 to win the AL West, I think is a very good number. I was looking at them to win the American League, but... At 16 to 1, it's a nice number. I would have rather been a little bit of a longer shot. And 35 to 1 to win the World Series, eh, cute. I don't know if I, I don't know what I would take to if there was a, a long shot in the World Series. Like, I don't know if there's any of these teams that I like. Maybe it's the Angels because I do think they will, they, they have a very good chance to win the division. I don't think the Guardians or Rangers or any team like that has a chance. Uh, And I can't believe I just called them the Guardians. Uh, Nationals, no. Royals, no. Rockies, Pirates, Orioles, certainly not. I think it could come from, you know, the range here uh, of the Yankees. The Mets are certainly live as well. They've done a great job building that roster. They are 10 to 1. White Sox are 11 to 1. They can build off their success that they had last year. Blue Jays are 11 to 1. That's a team I was very excited about. Going into last season, I'm still going to be excited about them coming into this season. Phillies at 35-1. to I think they're a bat short. We'll see what happens here, if they can uh, sign somebody else. So there's still a lot of dominoes that have to fall here before we hit opening day. But I am very, very curious to see where a guy like Freddie Freeman lands, to see what happens with, um, you know, uh, uh, Carlos Correa. And, yeah, I think the, the universal D.H., does make a difference. So you have to look at some of these National League teams a little bit differently this season. But I can't wait for games to start in Major League Baseball. And um I'm gonna be locked in to these uh spring training games once once they get going. The schedule will start on uh Thursday. Will be the first spring training games, and can it get any better? Then the first day of the NCAA tournament and the first day of baseball spring training games. What a day Thursday is going to be in the sports world. Uh, Cactus League will play about 17 or 18 games. Uh, Grapefruit League will play uh, regional close schedule 18 games in 21 days uh, and the clubs on the east coast of Florida will play 15 games or 16 games. So, it's basically, it's going to be the west coast Florida teams play them themselves. The east coast Florida teams play uh, themselves. And then, obviously, the, the Arizona teams will play because they're all in close, close proximity. But, uh, yeah, can't wait. Thursday, we get baseball. And then, yes, we will look at the future market in Major League Baseball. Hey, coming up next, we're going to be joined by Matt Lombardo. Uh, Matt Lombardo does a great job covering the NFL uh, for Fansided. Uh, this guy used to cover the Philadelphia Eagles, used to cover the New York Giants. Now he's a national writer uh, for Fansided, and there's lots going on in the NFL. Uh, look, we're so caught up with college basketball, obviously the NBA, the NHL. I just got done talking 10 minutes about Major League Baseball, which is near and dear to my heart. It's my favorite sport, uh, but You had the Chargers make a great move here on Monday. They signed J.C. Jackson, who is the best defensive back available in free agency. So J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, man, this team is good defensively. And that's a smart move for them, considering the quarterbacks in that division. We will talk more football with Matt Lombardo coming up next. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on v the sports betting network.
1: 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
3: This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next college basketball bet, be sure to visit vsin.com to check the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and bets are moving for every game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. Data is available for Moneyline Over Under and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way VSIN is here to make you a smarter, better year round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at VSIN.com. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. This is the look ahead here on VSIN, joined now by Matt Lombardo covering the NFL for fans cited. Matt, thanks so much for giving us a couple of minutes here this evening. And let's talk about uh, the Tom Brady news. When you hear that Brady is returning to the Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, were you shocked? Was this expected? And, and do you agree with the market movement now that has the Bucks as the co-favorites with the Packers to win the NFC? Yes, Scott. Thanks for having me. I think when the news first broke that Tom
4: Brady was coming back, there's that initial shock. And then you start to think, well, wait a minute. Here's a guy who's coming off of an MVP caliber season, one of the best statistical seasons that we've ever seen from any quarterback in the history of this league it made a lot less sense that he would retire than it did that he would be coming back even at age 44. And I think that the betting markets have reacted to this pretty much the way that they should, right? Because if you drop Tom Brady into an, into an offense that has Mike Evans, uh, healthy, eventually Chris Godwin, you bring back Ryan Jensen, the center to anchor the offensive line. Perhaps you go out and you add a couple of more pieces on offense. They brought back, Carlton Davis to solidify the secondary, who was going to be the number two cornerback on the open market. The bucks bring all of that talent back after being on the doorstep of the NFC Championship game this past season. I think they belong very much in that Super Bowl conversation, if for no other reason that Tom Brady's the quarterback and they still have so many weapons around him.
3: Now, the schedule for them is very difficult, Matt. If you look at their opponents for this upcoming season, it's the cream of the crop. But that being said, In their own division, there's no excuse for not winning five, if not all six games, because there's no other competition in that NFC South. So at least you know that this team is going to be in the playoffs and they're going to have a home game.
4: Well, let's broaden out one step further, right, Scott? I mean, let's just say that Deshaun Watson winds up in the division and everybody that you talk to suggests that he's going to go to either the Carolina Panthers or the New Orleans Saints. That's where this thing is heading. They're the two teams best positioned with his full no trade, they're clearly the biggest threat to the Buccaneers within the NFC, right? But but broaden that out and look at the bigger picture in the NFC, there really is no threat outside of the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady, they're the number two quarterback, the number two team, at least in my opinion, especially when you look at what's happening over in the AFC where you have Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, and Russell Wilson, three of those guys sharing the same division. The road back to a Super Bowl for the Buccaneers is nowhere near as daunting as any other team in the AFC. And I would go so far to say that regardless of what happens in New Orleans or in Carolina, Tampa Bay is the prohibitive favorite to win the NFC South. And I put them right on par with the Green Bay Packers to win the NFC and represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, especially given Aaron Rodgers' issues, we'll call them, in the postseason Mm -hmm, throughout mm -hmm. his career. Uh,
3: You mentioned Russell Wilson, so let's talk about his impact on the Denver Broncos as presently constituted. Is this Broncos team now with Russell Wilson a legit contender in the AFC? I
4: think so. I think that when you look at Nathaniel Hackett and his offense and his scheme, and you look at what Aaron Rodgers was able to do in that system the last two years, he won an MVP, had the two best season, two MVPs, had the two best seasons statistically of his career. And now you're taking a younger, more mobile Russell Wilson, dropping him into that offense behind a really good offensive line that's getting better with a defense that's loaded with talent on the other side. It's a legitimate arms race now in the AFC West between the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Broncos. And I think that with Russell Wilson now in the mix there, and depending what they're able to do in the draft, you know th- that division is throwing three teams in a hat and picking one out They you have a better chance of, you know, picking the winner of the division. Doing it that way, in my opinion, than actually studying the schedule and studying the rosters, like, because I think the difference
3: is really not that great between all three of them. Do the Chargers' defensive moves make them the real team to beat? Look, they get J.C. Jackson, who was an incredible defensive back, Khalil Mack, to go along with Bosa. You already know about the offense, but now this defense, which really at times was their Achilles heel last season, just got a huge boost this offseason.
4: Oh, I think so. And I think that the Chargers are doing exactly what you need to do when you're going up against all of the quarterbacks and all of the offenses that we're talking about. Look, for as dominant as the AFC West is, people might not be talking enough about the Buffalo Bills, who were 13 seconds away from an AFC championship game. And who knows what happens from there if they wound up against Cincinnati in an AFC title game. Um, last month. But you look at what the Chargers have done. I agree. You bring in Coyle Mack and Austin Johnson up front, a legitimate pass rusher, a dominant run stuffer, arguably the number one cornerback available this entire offseason in J.C. Jackson. Those are the type of moves that you make when you're trying to counterpunch elite quarterback play and high-flying offenses, and by the way, you look at Justin Herbert, you look at bringing back Mike Williams, you look at the talent they have on offense, if they bolster the offensive line in free agency in the NFL draft, uh, I give them as good a chance as anybody on that side of the bracket of making their way to the Super
3: Bowl, for sure. Let's talk about the NFL draft. The uh, Jaguars with the number one overall pick, they've certainly been busy this offseason. Do you expect them to stay at number one, and who do you have them taking?
4: Yes, Scott, I think that we've sort of started to see them telegraph what they're going to do with that number one overall pick, right? They went out today. They signed Brandon Sharp. They brought in some help along the defensive line. They already franchise tagged Cam Robinson. They spent a boatload of money on weapons. Surrounding Trevor Lawrence, who is just a year removed from being the number one pick himself and a generational talent at the quarterback position. You give him Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and Evan Ingram dropping into an offense with Marvin Jones and Labishka Chenault. They might not have name value, but you talk to people inside the league. These are viewed by coaches and executives as dynamic, legitimate playmakers. And if I'm looking ahead to the NFL draft, if you've already gotten your weapons on offense, if you have already bolstered along both lines, you have the luxury at number one of taking the best player available. And I think that best player, especially fitting their needs in the AFC is a pass rusher. I think Aiden Hutchinson is starting to really cement himself as the number one
3: pick for the Jacks. Wow. Over uh, taking the tackle like Evan Neal or uh, E. Kim I
4: I think that's possible, but I think that you're talking about trading back in that scenario. And I just look at what's happening, Scott in the AFC and you know, all of the quarterbacks, there all of the weapons you need to defend. You know, it's one thing to keep your own quarterback upright. I think that they did enough today to take a big step in that direction. I think you need to get the pass rusher, and I think that Hutchinson's the best of the bunch. It wouldn't shock me one bit if he's that pick.
3: All right, what's the next domino to fall here, either free agency or trade? Are we waiting on the Sean Watson news? What else are we waiting on?
4: Well, I think that's the big news, and I think it's whatever happens with Devontae Adams. Uh Because if you look at the deal that went down today with Christian Kirk getting $64 million plus, you know, there's a guy that if I'm Devontae Adams, I'm asking for the, the, you know, vintage Lamborghini. I'm asking for the private island. (laughs) I'm asking for, you know, pieces of the International Space Station to see if I can rebuild that and fly it into space. I'm asking for the moon. But you also have to look at what happens with Allen Robinson. You have to look at what happens with Tyreek Hill. And we saw a couple of big dominoes falling in the wide receiver market. And as this thing heats up, receiver is going to be the position that I'm watching the closest.
3: Mitchell Trubisky, a candidate for a comeback player of the year? Sure, why not? (laughs) I mean, he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't have the injury, you know, working
4: against him. But you know, I spoke to one of his former coaches today, and he said that Mitchell Trubisky was one of his favorite players that he's coached in his career. That he's a guy who's going to be efficient. He might struggle in the red zone on some tight window throws, but he's a guy who's mobile enough to make all the throws. He's a good fit in that system of a drop back passing offense, and you have weapons like a uh, a Deontay Johnson, a Pat Frymuth and a Najee Harris. They have the weapons there. They have consistency at the coaching spot in Mike Tomlin and Trubisky's a guy that I think has a lot of upside. And that's why you saw him as one of the top three agent quarterbacks to come off the board.
3: Matt, appreciate your time. As always great to catch up with you and hope to do it again soon. Always love it, Scott. Thanks for having me on. He's Matt Lombardo covering the NFL for fan sided. Uh, great job uh, joining us here. Follow him on Twitter at Matt Lombardo NFL. I saw an interesting number here on uh, DraftKings. Tom Brady, who threw 43 touchdowns last season, has an over-under of 35 and a half touchdowns. And if he's healthy, I don't see any way he doesn't go over 35 and a half passing touchdowns. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Coming up next, going to take a look at the ice. Uh, we only had one game on the schedule here on Monday. It was a profitable one for us. But let's take a look at the busy slate for Tuesday and see who we like. And maybe there's some totals that we like as well as uh, the hockey season winds down uh, towards the playoffs. Still a little bit ways to go, but the action certainly heating up on the ice. I'm Scott Satterberg. This is The Look Ahead. You're on v Sports Betting Network. This is The Look Ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. Get everything you need to bet the madness this year with 24-7 streaming, daily best bet emails and our tournament betting guide, including advice, data and strategy for only $19. Whether you're filling out a bracket or betting against the spread, our team is here to get you ready for every game in every round of the tournament. Get analysis from our experts, including Greg Hoops-Peterson, Matt Humans, Jonathan Montalvo, and Tim Murray. They have insights in every key team, conference, and player to watch, from the favorites to the potential Cinderella's. Sign up today and get the betting guide, plus full access to vSIN through April 5th for only $19 at vSIN.com slash madness. Scott Satterberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on vSIN, the sports betting network. Let's take a look at what went down on the ice on Monday. Just one game, it was uh, Arizona picking up the win, 5-3 over Ottawa. Uh, Arizona was a play that we gave out last night as a money line underdog around plus 130 or so. And we talked about the over six as the play in that game as well. Arizona and the over did come through. Loving the way that this team has played as of late. Uh, they're scoring a ton of goals too. Look, they've won seven goals. Of their last 10 games, Arizona has. And the over has hit in one, two, three, four of their last five games. In fact, if you just keep going back, so it's four of their last five, make it four of their last six, five of their last seven games, the uh, over has hit. Uh, They play the Canadiens here in Montreal. It's the second night of a back-to-back. Not that much of a travel, though, uh, going from Ottawa to uh, Montreal. And so... Taking a look at them in this game, I could like them at plus 140. Montreal has been playing well. Uh, they've also won seven of their last 10 games. I might look towards the total in this one, to be honest with you. It's at six, and I think that both teams can score. I mean, Arizona certainly has done a great job scoring. They, they, this game had uh, against the Ottawa had four goals in the first period. And maybe we see that here against Montreal. Montreal over their past couple of games, they just beat the Flyers four three, but prior to that, lost to the Kraken four three. Then there was a four three, a five three loss to the Canucks, a five two win against the Oilers, a five four win against the Flames. In fact, we're talking one, two, three, four, five, six straight overs for the Montreal Canadiens. So I like the over six in Montreal and uh, Arizona. Elsewhere on your schedule, you got the Islanders are at the Capitals, and the Caps are minus 160, total of five and a half in that one. Uh, Moving along here, Maple Leafs are minus 140 at home against the Stars, total of six. Rangers, minus 220 at home against the Ducks, total of five and a half. You got the Penguins, minus 115 in Nashville against the Predators, total of six. Vegas is in Winnipeg. The Jets are minus 115 with a total of six. Bruins are minus 175 at the Blackhawks, total of six. You got Edmonton minus 280 at home against the Red Wings, total of six and a half. Vancouver minus 160 at home against the Devils, total of six. Colorado minus 200 on the road in LA against the Kings, total of six. And the Panthers minus 230 on the road in San Jose, total of six and a half. First off, um I love the Rangers at home. It's a heavy number. The Ducks just made a trade um sending Josh Manson to Colorado. So, um it's they lose a, a, a top defensive player and I don't know how that's going to affect the lines now. They're certainly going to have to adjust. Anaheim is by no means out of it but they're not in a good position right now. Anaheim's got 64 points, and the third seed in the Pacific Division right now is Edmonton at 68. So they're four points back, but Vancouver's got 65 points. Vegas has got 68 as well, and the wild card in the Western Conference right now is Vegas at the 68 points. So Anaheim is... Uh, four points back, so not completely out of it. But this is a Ducks team that is not going in the right direction. They've only won three of their last ten games. And uh, trading away Manson, um, good move for Colorado. Adds depth to the Colorado's defensive lines. But um, I think it could be a sign of what's to come here for Anaheim. They might be in a little sell mode here. Um, we'll see. But the Rangers still in a battle taking a look at the standings in the Metropolitan Division. The Rangers are third place, 79 points. They're two points back of the Penguins, who are second place. They're five points up on the Capitals, who are currently in fourth place. And we know the Rangers do very well at home. We know the Rangers do very well with Igor shea Sterkin in net. So always check the goaltender matchups before you place any bets. Uh, the Speaking of the standings, The race for the President's Trophy is heating up in the NHL. Currently, the Avalanche have 89 points. They lead the way, but right behind them are the Carolina Hurricanes at 87. The Florida Panthers have 86 points, and don't look now, but the Tampa Bay Lightning, the reigning back-to-back Stanley Cup champions, have 82 points points. Colorado was the runaway favorite to finish with the president's trophy at the beginning of the season. And about a month or so ago, it looked like they were going to run away with the president's trophy, but they've kind of come back down to the pack a little bit here over the past month or so. And other teams have risen up. So this race is definitely going to be interesting as we wind this season down, taking a look at your futures odds. Right now, uh, the awards market, just Austin Matthews, the top goal scorer. He's minus 500. Leon Drysaddle plus 350. Uh, I think it's going to be Austin Matthews. If you look at the stats right now, Matthews has uh, 45 goals and and Drysaddle's at 39. So he's not going to catch up to him. In fact, I think Matthews winds up finishing the season with close to 60 goals. That's how good he has been. The Avalanche are still your favorite to win the Stanley Cup at plus 425. Panthers are next at 7 to 1. The Hurricanes are the team that I think is very interesting at 10 to 1 right now. I just mentioned how the Carolina Hurricanes are closing in on the Colorado Avalanche for the President's Trophy. They have 87 points right now, which means they got the second best record in the entire NHL. So should they finish with the one seed in the Eastern Conference, although Florida is just one point back of them, that race is certainly going to be fun. Uh, Different uh, The goals against is something that you really have to keep an eye on here. Because what makes Carolina so dangerous, only 139 goals allowed. That is the best in the NHL. The next best would be Calgary. At 143, Uh, just by comparison, uh, a team like um, Colorado, who is, you know, widely considered the best, they've given up 170 goals. So you got Carolina, who's only given up 139. Colorado's given up 170. Carolina at 10-1 to to me, very good value to win the Stanley Cup. Still looking at possibly some long shots in the conference odds here. Rangers 11 to 1 in the East. Uh, I thought Boston, when they were higher, was interesting, but now they're down to 7 to 1 in the West. Calgary is down to 4 to 1. Don't see the value there. St. Louis would be the team that I would look at at 13 to 1 in the Western Conference. St. Louis is now in second place. In the Central Division with 76 points. They've gotten very good goaltending. Uh, they have a very good goal differential. St. Louis, they've only won five of their last ten games, so maybe hitting a little slump here. But St. Louis could be a dangerous team come playoff time. And the fact that you're getting them at 13-1 to to win the Western Conference, I think is pretty good odds. Their odds to win the Stanley Cup are uh, 25-1. to Maybe worth a long shot. there on the St. Louis Blues. Uh, Taking a look at some props here to make the playoffs and is there a bet here that we can look at to make the playoffs that would be um, one that is fun to cash a plus money bet on and I'll tell you where I'm looking right now and I'm looking at where are they? Where is why do I not see them on here? uh Vegas Calgary okay let's look at Edmonton Edmonton right now has 68 points tied with Vegas for third place in the Pacific Division but in a wild card spot there are several teams within that wild card spot Dallas Vancouver Anaheim Winnipeg all within striking distance. You can get plus 250 on the Oilers to miss the playoffs. Seems rather interesting. Dallas, you can get plus 235 for them to miss the playoffs. They're not in the playoff pit right now. So uh, that would be some interesting bets to play some plus money uh, value on here on the final stretch here of the NHL season. Still a lot of games to go. There's plenty of time left for the standings to change we'll take a look at the hoop schedule coming up next i'm scott seidenberg this is the look ahead here on Vison.
0: watch what you want when you want immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4k picture and sound for every budget with sizes for every room find your perfect phillips roku tv today online or at your local walmart and sam's club hi i'm antonia blythe and this is 20 questions on deadline joining me today is
2: allison Bree.
1: 2025
4: QX80, coming this
3: summer. Send the, Network. the KFC Chicken Sandwich is served hot and straight from the fryer. That's why it's finger licking good. Order the KFC Chicken Sandwich today. Still gotta get me one of those. But I've been so good lately. Scott Seidenberg here with you. This is The Look Ahead on v the Sports Betting Network. Let's take a look at the NBA schedule here for uh, your Tuesday betting action. And just a couple games on your schedule, just four games. It's going to be the Grizzlies at the Pacers, Memphis laying seven and a half. The Nets are at the Magic. Brooklyn is a nine and a half point favorite. The Miami Heat hosts the Pistons. Miami a 13 point favorite. And the Suns are laying five and a half at the Pelicans. To me, this could very easily be one of those days where it's like, well, favorites went 4-0 straight up, Uh, because I think that very well could happen. I I, I might stay away from the Suns-Pelicans game. I think New Orleans could be dangerous there, but Grizzlies should very easily win against the Pacers, and I think the Nets and Heat win their games. So possible money line parlay action, with those uh, three teams, I don't know if it'll pay even money. Let's take a look and see what that does pay, actually, uh, because Miami is such a heavy favorite. But speaking of the Miami-Detroit game, I kind of want to take the Pistons. Uh, there's no money line out yet, so I can't even see that. But Brooklyn's minus 435, so you got to imagine that Miami's going to be you know, much higher than that. But the Detroit Pistons, depending on the number that you got in their last game against the Clippers – are 11-0 against the spread in their last 11 games, or 10-0-1, because the number actually closed at four, and so they lost by four, so they pushed. Uh, but if you've gotten it at four and a half, then great. Then you covered. So let's just say you, you you had the closing number at four, and it's a push. 10-0-1 against the spread in their last 11 games. They're catching 13 points here against the Miami Heat. How could you not like the Pistons to cover this game? I don't think they win this one outright, especially not against the Heat team that is getting healthy and is kind of looking at what's behind them on the standings. They're only, what, two games up on the Milwaukee Bucks now? I, I, I think that there's pressure on Miami to win the games that you're supposed to win in order to maintain some separation to make sure they get the number one seed. So you can't afford to lose a game. When you're 13 point favorites at home against the Detroit Pistons, and so I don't know if they'll cover, but I would bank on them to win. So I kind of feel like you know putting a couple of these favorites together in a money line parlay and and see if you can get some even money action on the three favorites there in the NBA, or maybe sprinkle them with uh, some hockey ones as well, but. Miami should not lose that game. And Brooklyn should not lose to the Orlando Magic. Uh, and if I'm going with uh, against the spread, I would go Memphis to cover. I would go Brooklyn to cover. And I'd actually go Detroit as the 13-point dogs. I'll take the 13 points with Detroit. The reason why I'm on Brooklyn is I, I think Brooklyn's an auto play whenever they're on the road. Look at how good this team has looked with the uh, you know coming together of Kyrie and and Durant. So the first time we saw them was the game against the Celtics, right? We saw them together against the Celtics, the Celtics team that has been tremendous defensively. And Brooklyn puts up 120 points, loses by six. Tough game in that one. Uh, Boston closed as a six-point favorite. So depending on maybe you got it at six and a half, but if you got it at six, they pushed that line. Then they win against the Hornets with Kyrie in the lineup. They were four-and-a-half-point favorites. They cover that spread. They win big. Then the game against Philly where they were dogs, and they absolutely embarrassed the Sixers. 129-100. They return home. They play the Knicks. No Kyrie. They got fined $50,000 for letting him into the locker room. It's the most ridiculous thing ever. Kyrie Irving can go into the Barclays Center. He can sit anywhere he wants. No mask. No vax. Walk around the building. Interact with 15,000 fans. But if he steps onto the floor in uniform, eh <laughs> eh can't do it. Can't do it. Can't go in the locker room either. Doesn't make sense. Whatever. Kyrie, Durant together, on the road, play the Brooklyn Nets. They should win this one by double digits, especially given the stat that our very own Jonathan Bontobel relayed to us earlier, which was that Orlando has only covered a little less than 35% of their games at home this season. So... Go with the Brooklyn Nets. Let's talk college hoops as the NCAA tournament technically officially begins here on Tuesday night. The first four in Dayton will feature the 16-seed matchup in the Midwest region. I feel like, uh, um, you know, Greg Gumbel. The 16-seed matchup in the Midwest region. Texas A&M, Corpus Christi against Texas Southern. So you got two Texas schools here going at it. Texas Southern is a three-and-a-half-point favorite and the total of 136. If I had to make a play on that game, I think I'd go over the 136. Uh, we've seen, you know, it's a tournament game, which means that... um We're going to see some fouling at the end. I think these games in Dayton always come down to the final possession anyway. So uh, I might lean first half under, second half over, something like that, or full game over uh, the 136. Although, you're probably going to get a better live number because I do think that it could start out low scoring. And then the nightcap. Indiana and Wyoming, the battle for the 12 seed. In the East region. Indiana laying four. And I've said this before. I, if if I didn't watch the Big Ten tournament, I would bet Wyoming. I watched Indiana maybe like twice this year. Both times they lost and I was like, not impressed with this team at all. Uh thought the Mike Woodson hire was interesting and you know could work out but certainly going to take some time. Didn't like what I saw from them. Looking and studying over the bubble and the bracketology, you see Indiana's on the outside looking in and it's going to take some some sort of Rally here in the tournament to get them into the big dance. And then what do they do? They open up the big 10 tournament down 13 points at the half against Michigan. Full disclosure. I bet Michigan money line. I watched Indiana storm all the way back in the second half. And they impressed me. They really did. They showed a lot of fight. Um, Trace Jackson Davis was great inside. And I looked at this team a little bit differently. And then there was the game against Illinois. And, full disclosure, I bet on Illinois. And Indiana won that game. And again, they impressed me. Now, could I get caught in a situation where it's like, I bet against the team twice and now I'm going to bet on them and and they're not going to cover for me? Yeah, sure, it happens all the time. But no, I I really think that they sold me. I think that they definitely changed my opinion watching them in those two games. And uh, I think maybe watching them in those two games is more indicative of what I'm going to see from them here in this tournament game on Tuesday night rather than what I saw from them in the middle of the Big Ten regular season, right? So I, I like Indiana to win this game uh, four points. I don't. I wouldn't lay anything more than that. Um, I'd consider an Indiana money line if the juice is not that heavy. Uh, and I do like the over as well in that matchup. So that's where I'm looking um, for uh, this game in the first four. And I'll tell you what. I think that Indiana after they beat Wyoming is going to beat St. Mary's in the first round of the NC2A tournament. We've seen every year a team go from the first four and win that first round game and sometimes go even further. Look at what UCLA did last year. So, give me the Hoosiers on Tuesday night. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You follow me on Twitter at Scott's On Air, S C O T T S O N A I R. This is the look ahead here on V the sports betting network.